Well, we are glad that you're here. I want to welcome all of our campuses, everyone joining us online. I want to welcome all the students at the Juvenile Detention Center. I want to welcome our television audience. Church, can we welcome everybody that's with us? And uh, coming the end of March, right around that time frame, we'll be live into the adult facility. So we're super excited about that on Sunday mornings, and uh, so that's going to be awesome. And if you're interested in that, reach out to Outreach, and you can be a part of what we're doing in, in prison ministry, um, which is really, really exciting. Um, we're in uh, week number three, and uh, I have a lot to share with you in a little bit of time. So that means you have to listen fast. So I'm pretty good at talking fast. Um, have you even know that life moves at the speed of relationship? Moves at the speed of relationship. And you've got to know this too. Your destiny is connected to relationships. Where God wants to take you is connected to relationships. Because, um, I mean, you just think about it from a practical example. If you work somewhere, your next promotion is tied to somebody. They've got to give the recommendation. Are you following me? So it's tied to a relationship. Um, your destiny, a door that could open for you um, that you can never open, usually gets open through someone, right? Through a person, through a relationship. And so relationships are so important in our life, and often they're frustrating. Oh, y'all, you get real with prayer, but you don't want to get real now. The lights are on, and you're like, no, they're great. They're awesome. But relationships are frustrating. And here's often the reason that they're frustrating is because there is a gap between what you expect and what you experience. And in that gap is, is the gap that creates frustration. Um, I mean, just think about it. You, you maybe have experienced this. You've, somebody build up a restaurant to you. They're like, it's the greatest. The service is awesome. You went and you were kind of like, eh. Right? And you were like, eh, what I expected, what I experienced didn't light up. Tammy and I experienced this this week. I'm, I'm a guy that likes experiences. So, like, my home office at home still is not decorated three or four years into our house living there because I would rather spend money on an experience. I'd rather go do something, experience something. Um, and I really enjoy going places and staying in unique places. Like, not like La Quinta. You know what I mean? Like... I want to stay in like a boutique somewhere or like, I just want a cool experience. Are anybody with me? I like experiences. And so um, I'd been, there's this one place in Richmond I'd been wanting to stay. And so for my birthday, some people got, got together and got us a gift card. And I was so pumped about this hotel. It had been built up. It's like unique, one of a kind boutique hotel. And uh, so Tammy and I, thanks uh, Valentine's Thursday night, I took the girls out for Valentine's. She took the boys out for Valentine's. And then Friday, we, we got an overnight away. Um, and uh, honestly, we got the overnight because we had no baby through the night. Y'all, we went to bed at 9.30. We woke up at 8.30. <laughs> it was amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Um, no infant was in the room. And, um, but we got to the hotel and it had been built up and we got in there and I was like, eh. It wasn't what I expected. Are you with me? The only saving grace is it didn't cost me a thing because I had a gift card. Um, but, but your expectation and experience, you, if you're married, you, you experience this, right? Like, ladies, you thought that all the pursuit and all the date and all this stuff, that was going to continue into the marriage, and now you're like, eh. <laughs> and gentlemen, you thought it would be once a day, maybe twice, maybe three times on Sunday, and now you're like, eh. <laughs> That's your, at least Valentine's Day, and you're like, eh. <laughs> but... So your expectation and ex some of you are like, can we talk about that in church? <laughs> so your expectation and your experience don't line up and that creates frustration. And here's the deal is that um, if, as that happens over and over and over again, frustration in a moment can kind of be pushed down. Okay, I'll deal with that. I'll get over it. But when it's weeks, months, years, 
and it keeps getting compounded on top of the other, then all of a sudden people go, well, they just exploded. No, they didn't explode. It was over time that their expectation didn't line up with their experience. They didn't talk about the frustration, and so they allowed the frustration to build, and over time as it built, eventually it exploded. But relationships don't splinter and fracture. Marriages, working relationships, friendships, they don't happen overnight that they fracture. They happen over a long period of time because we don't deal with the frustration gap in our life. I have found that sometimes the greatest frustration I have in expectation experience isn't other people, it's in me, myself, and I. Some of you experience, right? You, you had your, remember your, your workout plan January 1? Some of you had forgotten, giving you a moment to remember. We're the end of February, and how many of you know that sometimes the most frustrating voices aren't the ones from without, they're the ones from within that let you know where you didn't meet your expectations? And where you didn't live up to the thing that you thought you were going to be and thought you were going to do. You had a financial goal and you didn't meet it. You had some work thing and you didn't meet it. And now sometimes you live with this internal frustration because your expectation, your experience of yourself aren't lining up. And here's what we revert to. I'm I'm moving fast. Here's what we often revert to is we're just going to fix it. So I'm going to fix them, going to fix me, going to fix you, going to fix my parent, going to fix everybody. I'm going to fix everybody. And what we do is we expend all this energy dealing with the symptoms of the problem and never dealing with the core issue of the problem. See, the fruit in your life is found in the root. And if the root is unhealthy or the root is not strong, then it won't produce the fruit that you want in your life. And a lot of us are just trying to, we're trying to paint the fruit. Make it look pretty. But it's rotten and dead on the inside. And the reason it is is because the roots in our life are not dug deep into the right things. And so we learned in week one that we can't control everybody, right? The only person that we can control is us. And so I want us to look at today four roots, four areas of focus. I think we gotta dig roots deep in these areas because we can't have a healthy we unless there is a healthy me. And so I've gotta make sure I'm healthy. And if I'm healthy and I can control the things I can control, which is me, then I have a better chance of bringing health into every relationship in my life, whether working relationship or marriage or child parent or friendship or neighbor or whatever the relationship may be. I have a better chance if I bring a healthy me into the relationship. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, check your roots. (laughs) Tell them, say, I wasn't talking about your hair. (laughs) All right. I didn't say get a date. I just said, check your roots. Let me, uh, let, let's go to these. If you're a note taker, write these down. Of course, if you're not a note taker, go ahead and write them down. <laughs> Number one is the root of truth. The root of truth. Now, you may think in church that I'd be going down the, the path of, of the truth of God's word. God's word is truth. You need to dig your And all that is true, but that's, I kind of want to go from a different angle today, and, and it's this. Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God is living and active. Um, that's why it's as relevant as tomorrow's newspaper. That's why you can read a passage of scripture and read it again and again, and every time it's like something fresh is coming out of it. It's because it's alive. It's active. It's fresh. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates, or it cuts, one translation says, even to dividing soul and spirit, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What I want you to focus on there is is not so much that the Word of God is powerful and active and alive, although it is. It's that phrase where Paul wrote that 
it, is, it separates the joint or the spirit and the soul. The spirit and the soul. And so to understand this, you've got to understand the makeup of who you are, and you've got to understand the makeup of God. God is three persons. If you're with me, say amen. amen. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? He is three parts, the Trinity. Um, so that means he created us in his image, Genesis tells us, so therefore we are three parts. Now, if you've been through um, our freedom group, which everybody in the church needs to go through, um, it's a life-changing thing. If you haven't been through that, you should, but if you have, you're, you understand what I'm about to tell you, and if you haven't, this is going to, I think, unlock some things for you that happen on the, internally for you, but you are three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. I'll show it to you like this. Your body, soul, and spirit. All right, so you have a body. Everybody got that? All right, this isn't a trick question. Everybody got that? It's not like the answer is really Jesus, but I'm tricking you with body. You have a body. Like, look at you. You may not be happy with it, but you got one. Like, work what you got, baby, right? But you got a body. Like, you got nails and hair and did have hair, whatever your situation. But you got a body. Everybody with me on that? Your body has an expiration date, though. All right? The Bible says that it is appointed unto men and women once to die, and then you stand before God and you give an account. But we have an appointment with death. So you don't know when it is. God knows when it is. But there is an appointed time that is set for the end of your life. The Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. In other words, we feel like we have forever on this planet. But really, in scheme of eternity, it's like the snap of a finger, our entire existence. Glad I could encourage you today. <laughs> Welcome to church. Um, and so life is a vapor, but your body has an expiration date on it, right? Are you following me so far? Then you have a soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. All right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. This has an expiration date on it, too. Because you're going to get a new body, the Bible says, whenever Jesus returns. We won't go into all that. But you're going to get a new body. And the only thing that will live forever is your spirit. Now, when you accept Christ, maybe you've been on a weekend experience or, or someone personally had a conversation, you said yes to Jesus. The Bible tells us that your spirit became alive. The, the King James word says this, that your spirit was quickened. Something quickened on the inside of you. you the people have said to me, I came to LifePoint and, and I said yes to Jesus. And I just feel like alive. That's it. That's it. Your spirit. It did. It become, you did come alive. You came alive in a brand new way. And they're like, man, I just see things differently and I experience things differently. And that's it. You're, the spirit of God has come alive on the inside. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and so your spirit has come alive inside of you. Now, there's a problem. Not a problem with the spirit. Y'all with me? Not a problem with the spirit. The problem is this, is that your soul has been living on the earth and is programmed to live a certain way for however many years up until the point you meet Jesus. And so you have had mindsets that have been programmed into you, whether through childhood, through family system, through life, through experiences, through negative and positive experiences, your emotions. You, you've been taught a way to respond and emote. You, you have a will that either you have restrained and controlled or you have let run loose wherever you want to go. And so now the Spirit of God is alive on the inside of you and often encouraging you towards things that are contrary to everything you've been thinking. Let me, let me break it down on a low level for you. Maybe you've been programmed that I, I get what's mine and if anybody gets me, I get them back. So that's, that's, maybe that's the family you grew up in, that it's tit for tat, that if you do something to me, I'm going to do something to you. Um, maybe you grew up in that kind of... And so now, now somebody does something to you, and there's this something inside of you now going, you should love them. 
And so the spirit is trying to retrain your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to follow the leading of the spirit, not the leading of your flesh. Are y'all with me so far? Say amen if you're with me. All right. And so this is reprogrammed. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a family system that said to hate people because of the way they look or the color of their skin. And then you meet a God that is quick in the inside of you that says there is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile, nor black nor white, that we are one in the body of Christ. So you're having to get some things reprogrammed into your thinking. This is why the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter seven, he goes, those things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And the things I do want to do, I find myself not doing. And he says this, oh, wretched man that I am. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Like there's this tug of war on the inside. Like I want to do what's right, but I find myself flipping them off. (laughs) I want to love that person in the cubicle next to me, but I really want to punch them too. I know y'all got halos on. This is what's happening inside. The spirit has become quickened. The soul has been living a certain way for so many years, and it is trying to get retrained by the spirit. And the more you submit your will, mind, and emotion to the spirit, the more control the spirit begins to have over your life. Are you with me? That takes time. And so the truth that I think you have to dig deep in your relationships is not the truth necessarily of God's word. It is the truth about the condition of your soul. The condition of your soul. Some would call this self-awareness. That you understand where your soul is, your mind, will, and emotions. In other words, that you're willing and able to do the hard work. And, and, and this may, I'll just say this, someone uh, said, this is the most needed message of the series. I, it may not be your favorite of the series, but it's the most needed. And here's what that means is about getting the truth of the condition of my soul is this, is that I'm willing to own the fact, maybe this would be an example, I'm willing to own the fact that I tend to try to manipulate relationships to get what I want out of them so that I can deal with that. That, That's digging deep the truth of my own soul. Are you following me? We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about progress, right? Right? Or I'm going to own the condition of my soul and it's this, it's that I've been programmed for so long to look out for me and nobody else. So every relationship I get into, I'm selfish in the relationship and that's why they're breaking down. I've got to have a good picture of the condition of my soul. Are y'all with me? Or I know this about myself because it's the way my dad did it and my grandfather did it, that anytime there's tension, I just shut down and I run. I don't want to talk about it. I want to sweep it under the rug. I want to act like it doesn't exist. I don't want to bring it up because I just, I'm hard. And that's the way we are. It's my family. We're just hard. That's the way we do it. And it breaks down relationships. But if you're willing to do the hard work of going, I'm going to dig some deep roots. And I'm willing to get the truth about myself. And about my weaknesses and about my strengths. Then you can begin to build a healthy me which can create some healthy weeds. Are you following me? The, the scripture says it this way. David prayed this, and it's, it's a prayer that I've, I've incorporated in my prayer life. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
Why is David praying this? Because there are parts of your heart that you don't even know. There are parts of you that you, what, what David is saying is, God, I've got blind spots. I got things I don't see. And those things I don't see could damage the things I do see. And they could injure the relationships around me. So God, would you search me and know me? Reveal to me these things. Why? So I can deal with them, so I can move on, so I can grow. But that, that takes us going, God, I'm going to pull back the curtain on my heart. And I want you to do some examination of me. And that's scary. Because if we're honest, some of us are afraid what God will uncover. So you got to be willing to dig the root of truth deep in your life. Not the truth about everybody else. I can tell you the truth about everybody else. No, let's start with the truth about you. Where you're at and what's going on in here. Are you following me? All right, number two is we need to dig deep the root of vulnerability. The root of vulnerability. This isn't my favorite one. Are you with me? I I don't, I mean, some people do, but it's not my favorite thing to sit around. Anytime someone starts talking about vulnerability, I'm like, oh, we're going to sing Kumbaya now and hold hands, and this is getting really weird. Can we just go accomplish something? Can we go shoot a gun? Can, uh, Can we go do something? productive. Are y'all following me? My son said, blow something up. That's a great idea too. (laughs) But here's what I've learned is one of the greatest tools of the enemy is that if he can keep you silent, he can keep you broken. And if you look at it, there are generational issues happening And here's the phrase you'll hear in those kind of families. Oh, we just don't talk about those things. What you refuse to talk about, you will pass down. And you'll make your children and your children's children pray the price of your unwillingness to be vulnerable. I just refuse to do that. See, when I get vulnerable, what I'm saying is that I don't know it all and I'm not all powerful. It's what the New Testament tells us in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, but we have this treasure. We have a treasure. It's the person of Jesus, but it's in jars of clay. What Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is you've got a treasure, but it's in cracked pots. And we're all a bunch of cracked pots. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're a crack pot. <laughs> and so am I. <laughs> And he says, listen to this. He says, here's the deal. He said, God did this on purpose. God put a great treasure in jars of clay in weak things. Why did he do that? To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That, that we do have a power that resides within us, but we are not it. And so vulnerability just admits, I'm not it. I'm not the power. I'm not the strength. But I do have a strength on the inside of me. But some of us are unwilling to be vulnerable, even with the people closest to us. And listen, I'm not saying you should go get vulnerable on Facebook. For the love of God, please don't stop getting time out. Stop getting vulnerable on social media. But I'm saying you need some people that you're willing to pull back the curtain of your heart with and go, this is the real me. But some of us think that if we get vulnerable, then we are weak. Admitting weakness does not make you weak. 
it makes you wise. But you got to be willing to open your heart up to somebody. Not everybody, but somebody. Somebody that you can get real with. Because in that, what you're saying is that I don't know it all, and I'm not all powerful. I have flaws, I have weaknesses, and I understand that I need you, and you need me, and together we're better. Here's what Paul said, he wrote this, to, or James said, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. You've heard me preach this before. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, the enemy wants you silent and broken. God wants you talking and whole. If he can keep you silent, he can keep you broken. That's why you need to be in a small group. You need to find a small group. Semester's just started. You can get in a small group now at your campus. You need to get into a small group. Why? Because in a small group context, you have safety to do this. I'm not saying your first visit, but you build trust over time. You have safety to do this so you can find wholeness. Do you hear the words of the song? I am healed. I am whole. When Jesus heals somebody, he doesn't just fix the one thing. He wants to fix the whole thing. So he brings wholeness into your life. But you can't get wholeness if you're not willing to have some vulnerability with people. You know what else vulnerability does? It creates empathy. It creates empathy. You know what I've determined? I've determined that, um, you know, there's all these, uh, I don't know if you know it, there, there's hot political issues that people often want me to speak about. And I just tell them I, I preach the Bible. I don't preach politics. But you know what I have determined to do? Yes, thank you for both of you. That was awesome. Some of you didn't like it. You know, I wish you would preach about No, that's, I promise, as long as God allows me to stand behind, as the old folks used to say, the sacred desk of the pulpit, I will present the word of God, not politics. But, but you know what I have determined to do? I have determined before I formulate opinions on issues to sit down with people that have walked the path of the issue. You know why? Because you get some empathy. Because you can sit and you can, you can throw darts at people over some issue you think. You can sit and, I may, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it alone. You just create empathy when you sit down. When you sit down with someone and say, tell me about that experience. Tell me what it's like to be you. Tell, tell me Tell me why you made that decision. I don't agree with it, but I want to understand your perspective. Create some empathy. You know? When all the racial stuff started happening, I had a great friend, black pastor. I sat down, I said, talk to me. I don't understand the outrage. Tell me why. He just walked me through. He just walked me through. I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Thanks for helping me understand. Thanks for helping expand in my limited thinking. Our team, uh, our senior leadership team, um, it's four people that represent the church, kind of run the church. That's who I serve, and, and they lead the church. Um, the four major areas from the church, the college, the TV, everything that's going on. And uh, we, this is really the result of a lot of stuff we've been learning as a team that I'm teaching today. And, uh, and if you're a business leader, owner, team leader, I'd encourage you to do this with your team. It was, it was powerful. 
But we, we got together and did an offsite, a half day offsite, and we just went around the room and we just shared our stories. Like the raw, the real, tears, snot, <laughs> tissues, the whole thing. Here's when I was born, all the way up. Here's the, here's the darkest of secrets. Here's the stuff I've told one other person besides those of you in this room. We went through the whole thing. And at the end of it, we started looking at each other going, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense why you do that thing you do. I totally understand that now that I know your story. Vulnerability gives me empathy with you. I can't live what you've lived through, but I can get some perspective on what you've lived through, and I can love you better if I understand, but I can't understand if I can't get vulnerable. Are you with me? And in the vulnerable, vulnerability of the conversation, the scripture says the benefit is healing begins to take place. Healing in the hurts of our heart begin to take place. Are you with me? Told you, may not be your favorite message. Could be the most needed message. See, some of your relationships, your marriages, the tension you feel right now is because you have artificial harmony in your house because no one is really saying what they think. Well, I'm scared what they're going to think. Listen, your healing, the scripture doesn't say that your healing is predicated on how they respond. It's predicated on your confession. So you don't control how they respond. What you control is whether or not you're willing to open up and say, I'm done sweeping it under the rug. I'm done acting like nothing's wrong. We need to talk. <clears throat> how, how many relationships would be healed today if we'd just be grown-ups? Just be grown-ups, right? Just say, I don't know everything, you don't know everything, but together we can be better. You know what Paul said to the Corinthian church in another part? He said this. He said, he goes, I know that I'm weak, and he goes, matter of fact, I'm going to boast all the more about my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ can be seen all the more through my life. Can I tell you something? He said, it's in our weaknesses that Christ's strength is perfected in us. So if you thought that Christianity is about you having to come in, having it all together, you've got it uh, all wrong. It's about weak people that come before a very strong Savior, and he puts his power in the middle of their messiness and weakness and begins to transform them into what he wants them to be. Let's keep moving. All right, number three, commitment. Commitment. When I say commitment, I mean more than I'm going to be around. Like, bro, I'm with you. I'll be your friend. I'm talking about a commitment that says, I'm committed to you becoming everything that God wants you to be, and I'm committed to making sure I grow into everything that God wants me to be. I'm going to dig deep the roots. Here's the deal. If, if the circle of friends around you right now, if I could be so bold, um, if the circle of friends around you right now have not caused you to become anything better in the last six months to a year, you may want to add some new ones to the circle. I was going to say get rid of the circle, but you know, I'm just saying maybe add some... Maybe outnumber the, the current group with some new group. Are you with me? I don't know. I just, I want to be committed that if people are in relationship with me, that they can't be in relationship with me six months a year and stay the same and remain the same. 
that, that, that I have a commitment to them and I have a commitment to myself that I'm going to become everything that God wants me to be. And I'm going to grow in every area that, that God wants me to grow. And if you interact with me, we may have some friction, but the friction is going to produce growth and it's going to produce power and it's going to produce greater things. Are you with me? But to do that, we've got to keep moving forward. I'll give you a real simple verse. It says this, that let us not become weary in doing good because at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't give up. If we don't give up. I feel like we live in a culture that's just like, oh, that's too hard. I can't. Sorry. Can't get up that early. It's like we give up at the littlest thing. Are you with me? Like, I'm not trying to be that 42-year-old guy, but I was 13 getting up working in the farm field at 6.30 in the morning. Like, we, we just need a little. I don't want to be that guy that's like, well, when I grew up. But you need some grit. Come on, somebody. If you're going to make relationships work, you need a little bit of grit that goes, I'll get up when I feel like it, and I'll get up when I don't feel like it, and I'm committed to move this thing forward when you're doing it and when you're not doing it, when you're nice and when you're not nice, and when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it. I just got a little bit of grit on the inside of me that says, I'm going to move forward. I have a commitment to growth. I have a commitment to getting better. I have a commitment to not remaining where I'm at. And I have a commitment to you to not let you remain where you're at either. Because I want us to fulfill every bit of the potential of God on the inside. I don't want to get to heaven and go, oh my goodness, I only maximized 65% of what God wanted for me. I, as they say, I want to leave everything on the field. Everything. I want to know that I experienced everything that God had for me. And often the pathway to that is just getting up each day and not giving up. It's not getting up every day and hitting a grand slam. It's getting up every day and swinging. Because some days you strike out. But if your strikeouts cause you to not get back in the batter's box, you lose. But if you just get back up and keep swinging. Some of you just keep swinging. You just need to keep swinging. And then finally... Number four is this, is the root of pursuit. I'm not talking about the pursuit of a relationship. I think the most vital piece of this is your pursuit of God. The scripture says this in a familiar verse, says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. You know what I found out about so many of us, myself included at times, is I spend all my time seeking first all these other things. And God's going, if you'd put me first, I'd, I'd take care of all that. If you'd put me first, I would supply all that. If you'd just put me first, you know why? Because when you put God first, your spirit begins to retrain your soul. And as your spirit begins to retrain your soul, you live out of your, in your body what the spirit wants you to. And when you're living a spirit-led life, it just works. It works better at work, it works better at home, it works better in your parenting, it works better at school, it works better in your dorm, it just works when you live a spirit-led life. So you gotta seek him first. It says this, Jeremiah said, you'll seek me and find me. God's saying this, when you seek me with all your heart. Not some, not if I got a chance, not if I can fit it in, God, but I seek you with all my heart. God says, you're gonna find me. I love what the Psalm said. He said, the lions may grow weak. 
and hungry. But those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. That's a promise of God right there. You can take that to the bank. God says, you seek me. One of the strongest animals in the kingdom of animals, they will get weak. They'll get weak and they'll get hungry. But the people that seek God, they'll lack no good thing. No good thing. You'll lack nothing. You won't lack the strength to realize the truth about yourself. You won't lack the courage to be vulnerable. You won't lack the momentum and the need to sustain the commitment. You'll lack none of that because you seek him first. And isn't this really how we come to God? Don't we have to come to the truth first that we're in need of Jesus? Don't we have to kind of pull the curtain back and get vulnerable and go, I've tried it my way, God, and it hasn't worked. I'm going to try it your way. And then don't we just make a commitment to say, God, on the good days and on the bad days, you're committed to me and I'm committed to you. And even when I'm not committed, God, you're still faithful and you're still good. If it works that way with our heavenly father, don't you think it would work great if we did that in our earthly relationships? So I've got to get to the truth about me. And once I discover that truth, I've got to be vulnerable enough with someone, not everybody, but somebody, a group of people, so that I can grow. And I've got to get up every day and just keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Some days you'll strike out. Some days you'll hit a base hit. Some days it'll feel like a home run. But the wind is not in how hard you hit the ball. The wind is that you keep getting back up every day in every relationship. Do you receive God's word today? Amen. Hey, will you pray with me at every campus? With every head bowed, every eye closed. For some of you, the step that you need to take today, and I believe everybody has a step to take, a step of growth, a step forward in response to God today. But for some of you, the step you need to take is into a relationship with Jesus. Not religion, not church member. That's not what any of this is about. It's do you personally know Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you said yes to him? You know, the Bible says that we're all sinners and that's not meant to condemn you. It's just the reality. You can look around the news and see the brokenness of humanity that we all have sinned. And it says that the wages of those sin is death. In other words, eternal separation from God. But God gave us a gift. And that gift was Jesus. And he said, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you can leave this place today. You can leave your campus, no matter where you're watching from online. You can today know that you have peace with God and have the assurance that heaven is your home. So if you'd say, Pastor, I don't have peace with God today. Maybe today you would, even, you would even claim the label of Christian, but you know in your heart you're far from God. If that's you today, we're going to pray together in a moment. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just us helping you confess that to God. He said, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. So if that's you today, in just a moment, we're going to pray together as a church. And if you'd say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I'm going to count to three. I want you to shoot your hand up at every campus. You'd say, I want to know today when I leave this place, I have peace with God. If that's you on three, no one's going to come to you or embarrass you. But on three, you shoot your hand up. One, two, three. You just shoot it up real high. God bless you. God bless you all over the room. You can put them down. Church, let's pray this together at every campus for the benefit of those who are praying for the first time. Just say, Jesus, 
I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new beginning. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen. amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with those who made that decision.